0: Good to see each and every one of you this morning as we have come to worship our great God. He's omnipotent, he's omniscient, and he's omnipresent. He's all knowing, he's all powerful, and he's, uh, well, to describe God is very difficult. But the one thing we do know, the Bible tells us God is love. And aren't you thankful for that? He is love, and he's made of three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Of course, the Bible tells us the Son being the Word, capital W, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. I, uh, I have a subject this morning, and uh, I hope and and thank all of you for coming in this uh, type of weather that we're in. But the one thing is, is is God's no- noted it, and uh, and so therefore, um, you know, He tells us to present our bodies a living sacrifice. Wholly acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. So we're, we're doing that. Um, but anyway, I have a subject uh, this morning. Um, I uh, turned over to a song in the songbook here, and you don't have to have your songbook here, but um, the verses st- start out this way Must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free? No, there's a cross for everyone, and there's a cross for me. Whoever was that wrote this uh, says Thomas Shepard that lived 1665 to 1739 and George Allen, 1812 to 1877. Uh, I assume Thomas Shepard was the one that wrote it. Maybe it was arranged by this other person, but There's some truth in this verse, this first verse here. Must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free? No, there's a cross for everyone and there's a cross for me. The the subject about the cross this morning, it's an important one, especially now in our present day that we're living. Because, of course, you know, we know about the the, uh, the physical cross that Jesus bore or where he was crucified over 2,000 years ago on that hill of the skull. In Hebrew called Golgotha and in Latin it's called Calvary. We know about that cross, that physical cross that he was crucified on. Of course... If you remember, this is in the 27th chapter of Matthew, how that he had to carry his cross to Golgotha of Calvary, to carry it to. However, they stopped at a certain point and had Simon the Cyrenian take that cross to bear the rest of the way. I think that was representative, that Simon the Cyrenian, I think that was representative of us because there's going to be a cross in our lives that we are going to have to bear. Not just the cross that Jesus Christ did literally over 2,000 years ago, but I believe there's going to be one that we're going to have to to bear. Not a literal cross to be crucified, although there were many, many uh, Christians after Jesus Christ was crucified that were going to be crucified For the cause of Jesus Christ. But even today. We have our own kind of cross. That we're having to bear. Due to being a Christian. Due to our belief in Jesus Christ. And his resurrection. And that he's made a home in heaven. And immortal glory for us forever. Through what he did on that cross at Calvary. Or Golgotha. Over 2,000 years ago. I've turned over here to Matthew in the uh, the 10th chapter of Matthew to start with this subject. Uh, and, of course, you know, uh, quite a bit of Matthew, especially when you start in the 5th chapter of Matthew, going into the 6th on, uh, there's a lot of the Sermon of the Mount in that. Jesus did a lot of explaining about things. And one of the things that Jesus was going to tell his disciples here, and I've gone over here to the 10th chapter of Matthew, he's going to tell them some things that it's related to them, but it's also going to be related to us. There's many things that Jesus taught those disciples which really is going to transfer over to us in certain aspects of our lives. Even over 2,000 years later, Even if we live, you know, maybe 10,000 more years. We don't know. But there are certain principles of Jesus, uh, uh, his doctrine, that apply to everyone. Not just those disciples, but it applies also to us. And uh, and here, I've gone over here to to the 10th chapter. Uh, And he's talking to his disciples here. And he was getting them ready as he had taught them, he was going to send them out for their work. Uh, He says, uh, it lists all these disciples. These 12, and this is the fifth verse of the 10th chapter of Matthew. I'm kind of setting up some things for, for, for the subject here. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans, enter ye not. So he wasn't ready yet for the Gentiles to be fully brought in. But he tells them that. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Now Jesus gave them powers. Heal the sick cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely ye have received, freely give. Provide, a, provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses. Don't, don't worry about getting any monies or anything for your purses. Nor script for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet staves, for the workman is worthy for, of his meat. And into whatsoever city or town ye shall enter, Inquire who in it is worthy, and there abide till ye go thence. And when ye come into an house, salute it. And if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words, when ye depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. And you know what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Remember this. Be ye wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Do you know, I profess that even today, this could apply to any Christian today. To be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues. Because Jesus knew the future of what was going to happen to them. Look what was happening to Jesus. Jesus was being persecuted. Jesus was being uh, sought out to be killed in things. What do you think? All those that he was teaching, they were going to do. Uh, and ye shall be brought before governors and for kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. Here's a key phrase here. For a testimony, it says, uh, and ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for Jesus' sake. We today, we believe in Jesus as the Son of God. We believe in God as the three-in-one God. Jesus being part of that three-in-one God. And we worship Him. We believe in Him and we worship Him. Because we're here worshiping. This is part of the worship service. We, We sang. We sang to God. We're worshiping Him. We pray to God. That's part of the worship service. Now... I'm preaching the gospel to you. You're listening to the gospel in a congregation in this militant church setting. He created this church, uh, established church setting. He created it. But he's also telling us there's going to be things happening to you, and they're not all going to be good. There's going to be bad things happening. And he says, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves, be ye therefore wise as servants, harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you to the councils. They shall scourge you in the synagogues, and ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what ye shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what ye shall speak." For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. And this is the Holy Ghost, how the Holy Ghost is involved. Do you know when you come to the church and you worship, if you have the Holy Ghost here, you're, for one, you're going to understand the gospel message. The other thing is you're going to feel the Spirit of God in your singing when you're singing to God and when you're praying to God. Spirit... For it it is not ye that speak, but the spirit of your father which speaketh in you. And the brother shall deliver up the brother to death. And the brother shall deliver up the brother to death. And the father the child and the children shall rise up against their parents. And cause them to be put to death. This was happening back then because why? Why? Because people were listening to Jesus' gospel. And as he was preaching and teaching. They were listening to him. And they were turning from their other worship system. And they were worshiping with the Lord Jesus and what he was teaching. They were turning. And when they turned, what was happening? The brother was going against brother. The child was going against the parent. All this kind of thing was happening because of the change. It was such a dramatic change of what God Jesus was teaching and preaching with the Jewish system. And he said, And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that endureth to the end shall be saved. But when they persecute you in this city, flee ye into another, for verily I say unto you, Ye shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man be come. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. As a Christian today, we are still servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not above our Lord Jesus Christ. He's above us. He was saying the same thing to those disciples there. Is it, it is enough for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? In other words, what he was saying is, if they call me, and they were calling him the prince Beelzebub, the prince of the devil. If they call me that, how much more will they call you? If they're against Jesus, how much more are they against you? And he's talking to the disciples, but it also applies to we as his children today, as his disciples today, as his followers of today. Fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, and hid that shall not be known. What I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in light. What ye hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. That's one of the things I took comfort in uh whenever I was in other countries, other places, and I was a Christian, and I would not partake in anything that was not of my religion. In other words, I was in I, I'd been in a country which was a uh, Muslim. Well, uh, there were certain things that happened that they warned us about, saying, well, they're going to have prayer at this hour. You've got to remember that even though, you know, you have your own religion, they have theirs, and you, you're not to interrupt theirs, and etc., etc." The main thing was, was that I was not going to do anything that was going to betray my religion for their religion. And... Of course, uh, he's telling them, he said, uh, don't worry about being in danger uh, of anything. He said, because remember this, he said, uh, rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And that is God. So we're not to fear even for our lives uh, because we have God that whether we are killed or not killed, Our soul is still preserved for uh, heaven and immortal glory by the Lord uh, Jesus Christ, by God himself. He says, are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father? In other words, even the little birds, he knows everything about them. And even if they go, they fall on the ground, your heavenly father knows about it. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered, he tells them. Can you imagine a, a great God that knows everything about every, everyone, even the very hairs of your head? Have you ever tried to count the hairs of your Now my hair has gotten thinner and thinner. I mean, it's, I've been losing it. And I used to have a thicker hair of head. But all of you especially that have a thick hair of head, have you ever tried to, to, to number each strand? Each strand of hair. God knows every the number of every one of his children's strand of hair. But the very hairs of your head are numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men... Him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. He says, think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. Doesn't Isaiah tell us he's the Prince of Peace? Doesn't he send peace to us? He does, but he's... he's He's warning them. He's telling them. He's instructing them. And it also tells us this. As Christians and as followers of Jesus Christ, we are going to be in a conflict. We are going to be at odds. It could be our own family members. It could be uh, our co-workers. It could be uh, other people that we just casually meet. We could be in conflict because of our beliefs, because we're Christian, or because we want to follow what Jesus teaches us as what a Christian should be and should do. He said, for I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Why would Jesus say this? To be a conflict with children with parents and parents with children and, and in laws and all this. He says, And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. Today, and I'm not going to go into politics, but today we've got situations occurring where families are splitting. They're split up. They're dividing. And it may not be anything other than political. That's just one of the things, you know. Well, maybe maybe it's dividing politically because maybe one political side follows more of the doctrine of Christianity than another. And there's conflicts dealing with that. But Jesus said he would cause... A variance. He would cause and send a sword. Because people were going to have to make a decision. They were going to have to make a decision on are they going to be followers of Christ or not followers of Christ. He told the disciples. He taught them his message. He taught them his his doctrine. They were going to go out and tell others. Were they going to accept it or not? And those that did accept it and they went home, let's say it was children of these parents, and they went home and they said, this is what Jesus taught. This is what Jesus is saying. And if it was anything uh, not in line with the Jewish traditional doctrine, there's conflict. Now look what he says. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. You know, some of this stuff Jesus is saying is pretty hard, isn't it? But what is he saying? You've got to love me, God, more than your parents, more than your children, more than anything else. Someone came to him one time and asked him, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord thy God with all thy mind, thy heart, thy soul, thy strength. And the second is like an unto it. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Of these hang all the law and the prophets. So you can see, you can identify with some of this in that if you ever had a division, and believe me, I... I have a division in my family and in my wife's family we have divisions and its divisions are based on on political issues but the political issues are based on the following of the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ Here's an example like I said I'm not pol- I'm not preaching politics but I'm going to give an example I believe that every Conceived child and a mother is a precious life that should not be aborted. I believe that. I believe the Bible uh, Jesus confers and and, and, and and says life is precious. Okay. But we have people that are say, well, you have a right to do whatever you want with whatever that child's conceived in your body. To, to, to destroy that life. That leaves to division. There's other things, but that's just one example there. He says, he that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross. He that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. What cross is he talking about? He's talking about the conflict. What was it about that cross? That symbol that he was placed on up there? Suspended between heaven and earth? It's a device. It's symbolic of it's a vertical Going up and down, it's a horizontal, going side by side. There is a cross, there's an intersection, there's a conflict, meeting, conflict. It's going to happen. He that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. You are going to be bearing a cross. Are you a Christian today? Are you a believer in Jesus Christ, the Son of God? Do you believe in his, the, his doctrine? And in that doctrine, do you believe those things that are in it? You are going to have a cross you are going to bear. You may have a cross that you're going to bear publicly with your coworkers, or with your family, or with your friends uh, outside of your work. There could be conflicts, you may have to make decisions. You may have to make a decision about a, an, an important job that may be paying a lot more money, but maybe their uh philosophy and their job contradicts or goes against uh your Christian belief. you're going to have a cross as a Christian. you will have a cross to bear. He that findeth his life shall lose it. What does he mean by that? And he that loseth his life for my sake, look, for my sake, he that loseth his life for my sake shall, shall find it. Oh, you know what? Uh, there's this job uh, that, uh, you know, I could get paid a lot more money, but it's with some agency that uh, believes in doing abortions. Well, you know. Uh, maybe I don't want to work for that agency because it's against my my belief about what I think about the sanctity of life. So there's that part of my life that I'm not going to have as much enrichment in it as far as monetary gain or as far as maybe uh, goods and services I might have that will make my life more convenient. If it gets down to it, our life in convenience is lower priority when it comes to uh, being upholding the uh, our Christian beliefs and following after Jesus Christ. Uh, he says uh, he that receiveth you receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me so as they were going out and preaching and teaching uh, other people if it, if they were received it was like they received jesus now i've gone over here to the 16th chapter of matthew he's going to bring this up again but he, he's going to do it on an individual basis look what happens here um 20th verse of the 16th chapter of Matthew. It says, Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. So he tells them. Because Jesus knew his future. He knew what was going to happen to him, But he's telling them Because you know why he's telling them that? He's going to prepare them for the day that he's going to leave. And he's not going to be around them like he is now. But look what happens. Someone, one of the disciples is going to speak up. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him. He's he's going to try to correct Jesus or rebuke him saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. This isn't going to happen to you, Jesus. But what did Jesus do? But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me. For thou severest not the things that be of God, but that those that be of men. Why did Jesus tell him that? Because what was Jesus' mission? To do the will of his Father. And what was the will of his Father? That he should go and die And be raised again the third day. So that when he died and he was buried and down in that grave. And we died with him. But when he was raised from that dead death and was made alive, we raised with him. In other words, that's what gave us eternal life. Jesus Christ. He was going to have to die for us. Die. Take our sins upon him. And take those sins and cast them as far as the east is from the west. Jesus had to die. He had to go to the cross. He had to go into the grave. He had to be there three days and three nights. And here's Peter telling him, no, it's not going to happen to you. But Jesus said, you're offending me. I must do this. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, after he told Peter that, look what he says. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. That cross you have? You know what part of that cross is? Got to deny yourself. Look what he says. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whatever we do in this life as a Christian. And look, I'm preaching to me. This sermon is also directed to me, not just to you. I'm a, I, I believe strongly. I, I'm a Christian. I try to follow Jesus Christ. Of course, I'm a sinner. Everyone's a sinner. I'm a sinner. And I sin. I try not to sin. Because I love Jesus. I love God. I love him. And I try to be obedient to him. Let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So whatever happens to you in your life with your family, whatever happens to you in your life in your job, whatever happens to you in your life just in general, uh, out and about in the public, or, or whatever you're confronted with, with uh, you know, if you're involved in politics or whatever, you are going to have to, one, deny yourself because guess who your priority is? As he said, on the servant of the mount. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things should be added unto you. There's a priority. God is your priority. Secondly, then to yourself, then to your family, then to everyone else. But in all of that, God is merciful. God is understanding. And he helps us, directs us on how we should uh, live in our lives. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And he, he said the same thing over in earlier in the, the 10th chapter. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And that was whenever he, after he was uh, raised from the dead and in the tomb. And he went and he rose, went on to be uh, with God in heaven. But he came back and he showed himself three times to the disciples, showed himself to over 500 other people, He uses that word cross again. There is a cross that we have that we must bear ourselves. When we bear this cross, I'm going to go over here to uh, the Galatian, Galatian letter. Look at what the Apostle Paul mentions uh, about that. You know, Jesus had that literal cross when he was crucified. Of course, you know, on each side of him there, it told about the, uh, the thieves. Anyway, I've gone over here to the sixth chapter of Galatians, and uh, this is what uh, Paul uses the word cross. Look what he says here. Uh, tenth verse. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Fellow Christian. Ye see how large a letter I have written unto you with mine own hand. As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised. In other words, there are those Jews that want you to be circumcised in the flesh. Only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. In other words, they want you, uh, fellow Christians, to be uh, circumcised in the flesh like other Jews so that you don't get persecuted uh, like uh, those that would be persecuted and suffer for the cross of Christ. In other words, he used that phrase, the cross of Christ, as a term used for if you wind up at odds with your fellow Jew because you weren't uh, circumcised, maybe you should go ahead and get circumcised so that you wouldn't be so persecuted for the cause of Jesus Christ or for that cross of Christ. See, there's a cause. There's a great cause in regards to Jesus Christ. Do we believe in that cause? And do we follow Him and follow and believe in the doctrine of Jesus Christ. The doctrine's all in here. As we, as we study this and as we follow Jesus Christ and what he says. There, he has a cause. Do we follow it? Do we want to? Uh, do we love him enough to we'll follow him? Even all the way to our death. They should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. That was the error that those people were doing. They were saying, well, maybe what you should do is go ahead and get circumcised in the flesh. That way you won't have as many problems with uh, your belief in, in Jesus Christ. But God forbid that I should glory. Save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, God forbid that he should glory. Save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. What is he saying here? I thought the cross of Christ was over with. You know, not too far uh, back in, in, in history there. That's over with. No, there is a cross of Christ. The glory in it. The glory that we have in what Jesus Christ did on the cross at Calvary or Golgotha, whichever you want to call it, the skull hill. There was a glory in it. And the glory was that Jesus went and put himself on that literal cross and died and took all of our sins and went and placed them in his precious blood that was shed for us. And they put that spear through his side. There was glory in that death. The glory of Jesus on the cross. You know I see right now. We, there's a cross in here. Uh, up on the wall. It has Jesus figure on it. There's glory in that. But God forbid that I should glory. Save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. By whom. The world is crucified unto me. And I unto the world. That cross that we're bearing. That cross that we bear. We are being crucified. But how we're being crucified is this way. When we follow Jesus Christ. We don't follow the world. We crucify our lives on a crucifix of the world. By whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world for in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision but a new creature in other words in the world that have you to be circumcised but it doesn't affect anything being circumcised in the flesh doesn't affect your salvation it didn't affect your eternal salvation because Christ did that on the cross there's nothing that man can do if you thought you would if You thought your righteousness came about by you being circumcised in the flesh. Or if you thought your righteousness was based upon you following uh, nine of the ten commandments. Your righteousness didn't come that way. It came by Jesus Christ. Him imputing his righteousness unto you and I when he was on that cross. And he gave his life up for us. And he shed his blood. The blood which was the only thing that redeemed us back to God. His precious blood. Bible tells us this. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them and mercy and upon the Israel of God. From henceforth, let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body. Let no man... Look at Paul saying, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. See what he did? He made a metaphor out of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ because as Christ was crucified on that cross and he died and he shed his blood on that cross we as Christians symbolically we have a cross that we bear there is a crucifixion that occurs to us and that is we're crucified to the world the world is not our Uh, what we follow we follow God and not the world in other words what we've got today is we've got people that's making a decision about their lives well you know what if I don't uh if I don't follow Jesus if I don't do these things that he's saying uh you know uh then I may have a better life or I may have it better I may not be persecuted but you know what if you follow Jesus Jesus said we would. We would be persecuted. We are going to carry, bear a cross. Like that song said, must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free? No, there's a cross we must bear. There's a cross for me. We've got that cross. We're going to have it until the day we die. If we're followers, of Jesus, disciples of Christ, followers of Christ, believers in God, Jesus Christ being the Son. We are going to have our own cross. We are going to be crucified on that cross, but we're going to crucify that old world because that's what Paul said. God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Yes. the cross of Jesus Christ let's see uh, Philippians 2.18 I'm going to go there 2, let's see, uh, yeah, here, uh, 2a, okay. Uh, Second chapter of Philippians, let's see. It tells about our Lord, he says, Look not every man on his own things, this is the fourth verse, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Even the death of the cross. You see, Jesus knew his future. How would it be if each one of us, God showed us, how we were going to die in in this life. Would we try to make some way to avoid that death? We might, but Jesus Christ saw his and he went all the way toward it and he went to it because he knew that is what would it take to save us eternally and live with him in immortal glory forever through that cross. Do you know the cross? You might wonder, well, you know, we've got a cross that hangs out or someone has it on their neck or it's on the building. And when did that come about? Did you know the sign of the cross like this? The Christians never used it until the 3rd century. And it wasn't until the 4th century when Constantinople, the emperor of Rome, he started putting up symbols, physical symbols of a cross. That's just a symbol of that cross of Jesus Christ, which we glory, we glory in his crucifixion because of what he did for us. He took our sins away, and he made us to have a home in eternal glory with him. You know, if he hadn't done that, we would not have that home in heaven in a mortal glory. We wouldn't have that home. But he did it. And he did it perfectly. And nothing was going to stand in his way. Remember when he told Peter. Get behind me Satan. Satan was after Jesus. All the time. Not just when he was. uh, Right after he went into the wilderness. And he got tempted those three, three times. Satan was after Jesus. All the time. Since then all the way to the cross. If thou be the son of God. Save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, save thyself and us, those two thieves told him. He was being tempted then, but he did He went to the cross. He bore that cross. And now he's saying, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Will we do that? I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. May the Lord bless you Is my prayer.